This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper. And Becky. From the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-F-W-T-O. And remember, guys, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the original. original. Now let's get into the episode. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. I am your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. All right, guys. We are in round five of these awesome Whorehound Film, Whorehound film Fest. We got it. God, interviews. That was a tongue um, twister. It really on was. On purpose. <laughs> too many H's, too many R's. Too... It's just a mouthful. Um... And we have got the awesome opportunity to talk to Justin Stillmaker, who did a horror short called The Writer that was absolutely incredible. Um, it was about 18 minutes long, and it was 18 minutes of 80s synth and Kill Bill and Stranger Things, and I was just here for it. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show tonight, Justin. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited you like the film, and I'm just excited to talk about horror movies on Wednesday, because it's like a perfect antidote to Wednesday. You know, I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, it's kind of perfect that we decided to do this on Wednesdays four years ago, because we have done such a play on with that. It's Wednesday. <laughs> it, has to it has totally worked for us. Yes, Justin, thank you so much. Um, we both loved the writer so much like we said we were so glad we got to meet you that we got to see it um how did your short get uh involved with horror hound and had you been involved with any other film festivals uh that's a good question well horror hound was one early on after we finished the film uh that we were like I had, like, a list of, like, ones I really wanted to get into, and Horror Hound was, like, in, like, one of the top five. I was like, I really want to go here. You can tell that they really like and care, and, like, you know, it has all the stuff built around it. And so I was very happy and excited to hear when we got in. We've been in a couple other more arty festivals, 
uh, at the start of this kind of run. But once we got into Horror Hound, I could finally be like, I made it. We did it. It was successful. It is. It's weird how you build certain things up in your head to like be these like benchmarks of success. And I have to admit, Horror Hound was one of them, despite it having too many H's. And I say it very Horror Hound. It's, <laughs> it's funny because I tell horror, people horror, when I went horror. to I when I worked at my last couple jobs, and I say I'm oh. going to Horror Hound, they would hear horror. And they're yes. like, you're going to no, 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 whore no, no, hound? No, 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 and I was like, yes, I need a new whore. I must, I must go find a new whore. I, I, I have a, I, I think we have a different name. A child but... of the Midwest. I say whore and horror are too close. Listeners <laughs> decide. It sounds like a different word to me, but it's been, it's been called out. The good old English language. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> so, um. Justin, we like to ask everybody starting off, um, it's kind of become a running tradition with us to ask what your favorite scary movie is, or if you have a top three, if you like, if you have favorite um, franchise, a franchise that you like, or genre of horror films. Oh boy, this I, I should have expected these questions, but okay, I, I'll say, okay, I'll name a couple, and I'll, I'll pick franchises, because I, I think that any horror... The most fun about it is how like the franchises kind of morph and become something. Um, so the movie that got me into horror movies as a kid was Scream. Like I was like twelve, I think, when that movie came out, nice. and I just adore the Scream franchise. Um, and the, all the movies are fun. Like you can you might like one more than the other, but they're all a lot of fun. I also really like the Hellraiser franchise. Um, Particularly, like, the early ones, I think, are particularly kind of weird and kinky and interesting and kind of formed from, like, one guy's brain. And then all the other sequels are all interesting. Um, and then, oh, God, this is so difficult. <laughs> I, can't decide, I can't decide between Nightmare on Elm Street and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think, like, I love both of them a lot. I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, like, a perfect, terrifying movie. Um, but Nightmare on Elm Street's also got Freddy. So I'm, I'm torn. I, that's really right? funny because Scream is what got me into horror, yeah. actually. Because oh, um, I was raised Baptist, so my parents were like, horror movies are evil, you can't watch them. So <laughs> I didn't awful. watch them. Um, but I was raised on like Scooby-Doo, and I watched stuff like that. And to me, Scream was like an adult Scooby-Doo. And yeah. it really pulled me in with being that way. So I <laughs> Matthew Lillard of all things, with and this, he's in, with the Scooby Doo. I didn't yeah, even yeah, think yeah, about Shaggy's that crossover. Yeah. That's incredible. I wish I would have told him that when I yeah, met him. And it's been like, okay. you know, but you'll have another chance. I'm sure well, he will. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's really funny that you say that. Even my car right now, her name is Sydney. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. I think the screen movies. I think. Like for a lot of one, I, I grew up uh, pretty born again Christian, and so horror movies were like you know you can't watch these, but action movies were fine. And you mm -hmm. can tell from my film that I sort of blurred those lines. But Scream was sort of one you could sneak in because it's like I don't know they're like the later ones are almost comedies. They're bright, like they still have scary stuff in them, but like they're fun in a way. I think I don't think Scooby Doo is wrong. I think they have this like like my wife does not like horror movies but she does like the scream movies and i think that's like very indicating of like they're actually a lot like they're a great gateway drug into horror movies mm -hmm. i absolutely agree that's funny we both have a very similar background <laughs> in that aspect i i didn't start watching horror movies until i was like 16 and even then i had to sneak them i had to sneak right. everything 
And the grudge was one of the first ones I saw and it saw <gasps> and it scared the fucking shit one. out of me. That movie <laughs> That movie still scares me. <laughs> that movie still Now I just like to scare my girlfriend I, and make the noise. I snuck <laughs> into a theater to see that movie <laughs> and came home and my dad woke up the next day and he's like, Why are all the lights on in the house? <laughs> Because I came home and I turned on all the lights in the house. <laughs> I, because I was so terrified. <laughs> you, you know, like, I, I, I'll, I don't think I've ever been this anyway. I'll do this on this podcast. So there's, I remember once in college, staying home. It was like a rainy day in my apartment. And I watched a movie that, like, no one ever talks about. It's called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, my God. I, yes. Oh, my God, sir. Uh, Oh, yes. I don't know. It, I utterly terrified. Like most yes. people, like I studied film. Like it does. It's harder to get under my skin. Mm. But that movie, mm-hmm. like just wherever mm-hmm. I think like, I turned on all the lights. I was like, Mm-mm-mm. it's daylight, and I'm scared. That movie really got under my skin. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right though. No one really talks about that. That is my favorite <sighs> exorcism movie, hands down. It is so. It is fucking so. Good. I I have chills right now. I do too. It's and the ending. Thinking. It's the fucking ending every well, time. And then the whole well, the, I'm picturing in my mind the whole exorcism scene in the no, barn with the no, rain and her eyes mm-hmm. and just uh, everything. Yeah, and it, yeah. That is that is very <clears throat> underrated. I think because you know possession movies, even now, it, it kind of became like many other horror genres, unfortunately, kind of a parody within itself. It's like so many just coming out at one time that unfortunately, I think good ones, gems kind of got muddled in the mess. But um, yeah. thank you so much for bringing that up because mm. we both mm-hmm. absolutely love The Exorcism, Exorcism of Emily Rose. And I haven't, I actually haven't watched that in quite some time. I was like, I kind of want to revisit that now. Yeah. And like, I do think there's something to like, people like horror movies, but there's something to the possession and the religious angle that I think makes people more uncomfortable than Mm -hmm. just like a serial killer or a mutant who kills. Like, there's something that can really get under your, particularly if you grew up like we did, like in a more religious, like they they found a way in that I was like, I haven't gone back to watch it because I was too scared. I'm going to, I'm going to try to watch it in the next couple weeks. Well, the actual, the exorcist, that movie, I can't watch it. Like I watched it one time and I got an attachment. Like I, it's, it's, you had a, it is not personal experience. Like I have chills right now, even talking about it, but that movie fucked me sideways. So they're like, there's a prequel or a sequel coming out. I'm like, no, no, thank you. I'm going to pass on that. I actually, um, so I did not luckily (laughs) out of all of the trauma that I could have gone through. I luckily did not grow up with any religious trauma. Um, but I think because both of my parents, had religious trauma that sure, by the yeah. time they had kids, they were like, absolutely not. We are not doing that to our kids. Yeah. No, we're not doing it. So I actually got introduced to horror probably way too young. Um, but my mom was more of the one, God rest her soul, my mom was more of the one that was the horror fan. And she started me off, I'm a 90s kid, I was born in 84, so she started me off with, like, all the classics, like, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, you know, she she hit me with all the classics right up front, and then from there, I saw uh, the first two screen movies in the theater, I was, I think I was, like, 14, 
by the time I saw yeah. Scream 2, like 12 or 13 when I saw the first one. Um, so, yeah, I just, I've, I've loved, and then I just grew to kind of love uh, horror movies as a whole because there's so many different subgenres within that genre that makes it so different from many other genres of movies. I mean, I, I love films as a whole because I'm such a cinephile. I was actually kind of, I was looking over your Instagram, if you don't mind me, if you don't mind me stalking. Um, <laughs> and I happened to see that you were uh, a big Brian De Palma fan. Like we have a lot of taste. Goodfellas is one of those movies that has now turned into a comedy and it shouldn't be. And my husband and I quote it way too much. Um, yeah, that that's one of those movies that's just like, if if it's not, you know, if you like those type of films, it, it has to be in your repertoire and watch yeah, it. Yeah, it was it was funny, like uh, just like Brian De Palma in himself, because like you think of him as like I think of him as a slightly more not a horror director, like kind of these big genre movies, but like at his core, like you know that's where he started. Like he has all these like interesting little movies and like Blowout and Body Double and Sisters. I think are just like these really excellent like genre pieces that kind of like people because he also did like mission impossible and these yep. other things that people don't even think about him as the director of these like horror classics and you're it, like that guy did carry like <laughs> yeah thank you I, starface like what a career it's, like when you really right? like it's the same guy like it's sort of shocking but like there's this like willing to show the ugliness through all his movies that I think ends up being like, like one of the things that makes him so brilliant. I'll dress to kill. Yeah. I'm just forgetting how many horror dress movies kill's that guy has. Movie. He's, he's the best. Yeah. Carrie was one of those movies too. Now Carrie was actually one of those that my dad, where on the flip of my mom being more of the horror fan, my dad really liked psychological stuff. So he got me into Stephen King cause I read a lot. So like all the <clears throat> Stephen King movies, Carrie, yeah. The Shining, like all of that was from my dad because it was more of the even now, like the type of books he reads and movies he likes and TV shows that he likes are all these like really psychological uh, thrillers. And then I don't know. I really don't even know where the possession movies came in for me as being something that I, I think not given the fact of the religious aspect, not growing up with that, but I think more yeah. so the um the realism. I think there's mm -hmm. certain genres of horror that are, and I've always said this, that are more terrifying because there's there's the believability like that it could actually happen. Yeah, that like really like the plane of day like there's like the certain ones can get under my skin because they don't they don't have that fantastic. They don't have like I don't think Freddy Krueger is going to come into my dreams. Thank you. Be, you know <laughs> right. Like, Odds are Michael Myers might skip my house, but like right. <laughs> even like uh, uh, the movie that I always end up praising that like the, the original Stepfather, which is like a very like kind of it's almost like a TV movie, but like yep. the acting in it is so unsettling and it's like so well done by the performance. It's like it's better than it should be, and like that movie always gets under my skin because it's like oh I can buy having a shitty stepfather. Well, I know I can buy having a shitty stepfather, but like in general like those like matter of fact everyday horrors are so much scarier. And that's why like 
for me growing up the way I did, the religious ones were meant more. I it's hard to like describe, but like the Conjuring series is my favorite horror series. And a lot of that has to do with Ed and Lorraine. Like, Ed and Lorraine Warren changed my life, and I was obsessed with them because I was like, you dive into a world from a religious standpoint, and it's completely different from how I was taught. So right. I'm like, I absolutely love them. And then when I found out they were making a movie about one of their cases, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is great. And now it's blown up into this beautiful universe, and they're still doing it. And... um I just, yeah, they just announced another one, right? I mm-hmm. saw like Patrick Wilson. Yeah, like the Red Door. There's well, like uh, 10 that, now in the Conjuring universe? Well, that's Insidious. That's Insidious. Oh, yeah, that's right. Insidious. It's, this, it's James Wan. It's, it's James Wan. So. Yeah, they all have... The aesthetic of those movies are <laughs> so similar. You can definitely yeah. tell... James Wan has... their Yeah. Their he has a lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, that's yeah. another uh, great one, too. I yeah, love, Insidious is great. I love it. That's a great film uh, series. Yeah, the series is great. I like the Conjurings. I really like. Um, I, I just always like the like. I was just talking about someone about the Blumhouse model of just like getting yeah. a really strong actor that we have, like a character actor we all like, but maybe isn't a leading man, and putting him in these movies, and it always works. Like even when they're not the greatest, they're still pretty solid. Like I, there's one with like Carrie Russell from that era. I always think of. <laughs> Um, it's not Insidious, but I want to, uh, my, my brain's like, what movie am I talking about, Justin? <laughs> but, uh, I just love that there's this, like, this, that the Blumhouse has found a way to keep making horror movies in the genres we all like, like, realizing people love possession movies, even if people are also scared of them. Um. A thousand percent. And they work. Yeah. They do. Like mm-hmm. you said, even the ones that aren't that great, like, they still work. You, you can still watch <laughs> I, them. Yeah, Dark Skies. That's a movie I'm thinking. Oh, mm. oh, that's, that's a great movie. That movie's terrifying. See, that's now that's yeah. another genre that that hey, and that you know, just like possession movies, this could be very polarizing with people. Also, is uh, aliens anything with aliens? The fourth kind. Yeah. The fourth kind. Of Dark Skies. Me I mean, if you really believe in that, mm-hmm. it's like oh, <laughs> it's a. It's a terrifying thought. That is that is just a that is a horrifying thought. Well, we were kind of you were kind of talking about it earlier, and I wanted to ask because I think this is like always an interesting question to horror movie fans: is is do you get annoyed or frustrated as a horror movie fan when people call stuff a psychological thriller, like like Silence of the Lambs being the classic? That's a horror movie. But because it's up for best picture, they want to call it something. They don't want to call it yeah. a horror movie. So they're like, it's a psychological thriller. And it's like, they're horror movies. Like they, it's like, it's like a, is there a difference to you between a horror and a psychological thriller? No. Or are they just, no. yeah. No, like they're, it's they're the same, same thing. And I, I. It's a subgenre of horror. It is. is what it and is. I always argue yeah. that with people who tell me that they, you'll, you'll get people that will go, I do not like horror movies at all. Right. But but then you'll go, but you like Jaws, right? And they go, oh, yeah, I love that movie. And it's like, Jaws is a horror movie. Yeah. And Seven's a horror movie. And like, they're like, uh, no, it's not. And I'm like, no, it is. It's a creature feature, dumbass. It's a, it's a horror movie. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, Which yeah. I'm telling that to myself because I used to be one of those people. I used to think Jaws wasn't a horror movie. Well, and yeah, so Sons of the Lambs is the same way. There are a lot of these movies that they want of that I think the mainstream wants to sort of put in these boxes because 
it's still for whatever reason, it's like you've got to you've got to push through. You know, we we do. I think Jordan Peele is one of uh -huh. few that's like really pushing through, like is just just pushing so hard for mainstream. Like, look, horror can come on. We can we don't we don't have to label it something else. We can just say what it is and still enjoy it and still understand the context, but just say it's a horror film. I like, think that's what yeah, it I is. Just, I, think... I was just going to say, like, Get Out is a classic. Everyone's like, well, I don't like horror movies, but I like Get Out and Seven. I'm like, you like horror movies. I hate to tell oh, you. Oh, Seven? Seven is a horror movie. Oh, get out of here. Seven yeah, is a Yeah, a thousand movie. percent. I'm like, then, then, you, then that's a horror movie. I feel like a lot of what it is is kind of like what you were kind of getting at is when you put the title horror on it, it, pushes, it people pushes people away. Because when people think of horror, they automatically think of Freddy and Jason. The slashers. And, all of this. and I'm like, horror is such a huge genre. I'm like, you've got like 17,000 subgenres in horror. Like, it's not just slasher. It's not just gore. It's not just, I'm like, you have psychological, you have found footage, you have paranormal, you have yeah. All of these different things that encompass horror. It's not just slashers. Calm down, Karen. <laughs> well, that, that's what's been kind of interesting, even with my film, which we've kind of getting programmed in two different festivals, because it's like, it's a science, it's a sci-fi action movie. There's no denying that, but it, it it's shot like a horror movie. There's stuff in it that feels like things out of a horror movie. So it's been kind of fun to see how it's received by horror audiences versus a crowd that might not like horror movies. And it's been really kind of fun to like, kind of play between like, I'm someone who just doesn't believe in labels. So like, I like, I'm like, yeah, whatever, let's do, let's make this thing how we want to make it. And it's been very, and so like getting into horror, how I was like, okay, we're, we're officially a horror movie. Good. That's, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to be clear. This is a horror movie, but I also want to make something that people who might not like horror movies will also enjoy it. I think that even uh, another person that's really polarized, like M. Night Shyamalan, I think a lot of people don't, they didn't really know, they still don't know where to put a lot of his movies. I he think straddles his, the fence I think his hard. movies sort of can be categorized. I, I Honestly, I think he almost created like his own subgenre of horror because his <laughs> movies don't, like they'll say that they, they're horror and they kind of are, but they don't really fit a mold of any other like I guess you could call them psychological but they some of them have a totally other like environmental you're like how is this an environmental yeah. movie like it just <laughs> yeah it, it they sort of take on something totally different by the end of the movie where you're like oh this isn't what I thought it was and I really don't know how to <laughs> he's he's definitely one of those like you either love him or hate him and i i've oh, so loved i love so i, yeah. I want to you gave me you've, you've set me up for one of my there's two things i always talk about with film people and one this is the one i, I always debut as a theory that m night is this generation's or i guess really the previous generations my generations uh john carpenter they're both horror directors they yeah. are they play in genre they have their own way of casting things they have their own view they're all friggin so classically well made the stories are very pulpy like i feel like they're and jordan peele to some degree i feel like the yep. other person in this like kind of line of like us is such a john carpenter movie to me yes um and i think like it's just like people don't know what to do with that sometimes where they're like because like i know a lot of people don't like m night love david lynch and oh. i'm like they're both they're both horror directors in my opinion personally and that's a weird a 
That would be, I would, I think I would, I would immediately side eye somebody. I would go, wait, excuse me. Are we talking about the same? I mean, I guess, yeah, well, yeah that's. I mean, to be honest, for I me, guess I could see. I don't know. M Night Shyamalan is very hit or miss for me. I can't say that I love him. I can't say that I don't like him. I think He's there's so only. I have hit not seen old yet, and I think the old is one, absolutely amazing. The only I one I like did. Uh, I I I hate the happening. I hate uh, it so much. Oh, I adore the happening. I'm so sorry. Oh. I'm so. I hate the movies. I think it's Mark Wahlberg, though. I honestly... Yeah, I'm sorry, Mark Wahlberg. It really wasn't so much the movie. It was Mark Wahlberg, because really the only one... Uh, Shape of Water, or the... That's the bad one. That's the only one I can't That's really not understand. in that Shyamalan, though. No, but there is... A... In the water, there's a... Oh, lady in the water. Lady, lady in the water. Okay. Lady in the water. You're like, there's Thank a water you. movie. I'm like, there's a there's a water somewhere. Lady, in, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That one. I love that. I watched. See, and I tried. Ooh, boy. I love that one. Oof. I've I I watched it twice, and it was a oof. The second I, watch was a rough. I hoofed it, it through that that second time around. <laughs> if I made to send the happy. Well, I will admit it's a very silly movie, particularly Mark Wahlberg in it's it, Mark and Zoe as his wife. I think those are intentional silly choices. I think he is signaling mm. that he is making a goofy beaver. You don't cast Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel as a couple, and like okay. it's a be- it's, it's a like he has him talking to a like M Night knew what he was doing. It also happens to have some of the most terrifying imagery I've ever seen in a movie. It also is very silly, which is what kind of reminds me of John Carpenter. Like they live is a a great movie. It's also a very silly movie it's if you were to look at it. Movie. Like if you're just an outsider who doesn't like John Carpenter, you're like, why is this wrestler the lead actor of this <laughs> movie? And so I think M Night is it's confusing and I kind of sometimes as someone who defends him wish he didn't always do stuff like this. But I do think there's intention in the happening with Mark Wahlberg. But hating Mark Wahlberg, I'm completely on board with. So <laughs> Thank you. Oh please. No, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I, you. I actually love hearing like when people you know, when you Thank have you. different opinions and you can hear why somebody has a different opinion. I love like that. that. Thinking about it now, mm-hmm. I'm just like, hey. See, like I love I kind of grew up with M Night just because my parents actually let me watch his movies because right. he did teeter that line mm-hmm. so hard. So yeah. like signs, the other, not the others, the sixth sense, um, yeah. the village, yeah. um, the village is still one of my, is my favorite M night Shyamalan movie period. Like people hate that movie so much. And I'm like, the music is beautiful. The love story is music. Beautiful. Yeah. The imagery is it's beautiful. Scary. It's yeah. got a great story. I love the fact that it's set in the modern world, but they've like, I feel like I was to... the only one that walked. I saw that in the theater. I was fortunate enough to see the village in the theaters, and I felt like I was the only one, including the person I saw the movie with, was the only one that walked out of that theater that liked that movie. That's <laughs> a huge that that one. It that, was like, a that weird, is like a movie. Yeah, like, that has been like re like I don't know if you guys are belong and like it's a it's kind of a nonsensical term, but like film Twitter, I feel over the last ten years has revitalized and I but particularly the village is yeah. like, seen as like a masterpiece. Um. The problem is he followed it with Lady in the Water. I mean, he believed his own hype. Like, there's a degree yeah. where he did so. What do you think of his found footage movie? Are you guys the vis? Is it the visit? I don't. Ooh. I don't. I honestly think the visit is one of his. If I had to say, like, the village is my favorite, but as far yeah. as the his best film, 
it would be the visit. The visit scared the it crap was, out of me. Yeah. What the fuck? I mean, I figured it out, but I love when I, I did, figure out a movie, yeah, but it keeps I, me entertained. I, right. And like by movie, the time, spoiler alert, by the time, because it's been out for a while for our audience, spoiler yeah. alert, but uh, for for people that don't know, um, it, it was pretty simple to fit. By the time the mom was like, um, those are not your grandparents. I was like, I kind of figured it out. I was out. like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're definitely your not fucking grandma, grandma, grandma is crawling around um, like fucking <laughs> that. And I, I saw it like way too late, but was able because I'm, I'm one of those people. I, I, I have ADHD. I always go to my comforts, and then by the time I've seen something, it's been out for eight thousand years. But I was able to avoid enough spoilers. But that by the time I did watch it, uh, I was able to enjoy it, and it was just a a what the fuck through the whole movie and it was and i and i loved it i loved it what about you i i, I really liked it i also just liked that he was willing to do a found footage movie. yes I feel like, the, like the thing about him that i always enjoy is he's always like okay i want to make this kind of movie they'll let me make this kind of movie i'll do this and so like i i as a director i'm like very attached to people who are like give me whatever genre it's still going to be an m night movie doesn't matter if it's found footage or a big comic book movie, or, like, there's still something weird and awkward, and, like, it gives, so, like, I, I really like when directors are pushed into something they wouldn't normally do. Like, I don't think he would normally make a found footage movie, but his career needed to be revitalized, and he did it. And I just, so, like, I have a lot of, and I also think it's just really clever, and, and it works. Like, I, I found footage is one of my, like, more least favorite genres of horror but like when it, I mean, when it works, it works. Like that's undeniable. That's and when that's it works, the, it works. And, and when that's it doesn't, it the doesn't. thing with found footage. That's why found yeah, footage. Yeah. And see, actually, that's that's our. One that's of our why favorites. we love it so much. And I think for and yeah. it's funny that it's for the exact same reason because mm -hmm. when you find a gem, they're so good. But when it's bad, Whew. it's caca. It is like the worst. Yeah. It's the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. I like, was like, my eyes just took a shit for an hour and a half. And there's so. never, and there's never an in between. It seems like there's right. never an in between. It's either well, like, if oh, there this is, is an really in between, good, what or, you have is like, you know, your entire hour and fifteen minutes of nothing, which is most found footage, and then you have <laughs> fifteen minutes of the chaos that's about the to ensue. Right. And the thing there is, is go. that when you're building and building and building, and half the movie is actually pretty decent, and then the ending is bullshit the last exorcism, then, you know, you yeah. have, like, you're like, man, that was actually, that was so good. And then the I ending paid, hits, and you're I like, paid to see that. That was another one I saw in the theater. The ending of that movie ruined the entire film. It was bullshit. I was very upset. That is the hub. That, and, and, like, normally I can, like, so, like, I might not always love found footage movies, but I have a soft spot for the desk, what I would call desktop horror the unfriended movies, the yes, like sir. movies that play out all on a screen, mm -hmm. those fascinating. They don't always work because it's like at a certain point the convention, much like found footage, like you can push it only so far. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, uh, like it, the the desktop ones, I really like. Where found footage, I feel like they give just enough room to like kind of fuck it up, like the, la <laughs> the last Exorcism. Oh, there was one from a few years ago that I feel like Ty West directed. Um, do you remember the concept of it? It was like he was at a cult. It was like a camera crew at a cult. Um, the Sacrament. That's what it was called. Oh my god, fucking it, hell. That movie was so god awful. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh. It, 
It was yeah, a, like that, that was rough. That was when I was like, I'm kind of out on found footage for a while. That was, was a like, rough one. That was a rough watch. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I guess I might as well. There was like 15 minutes left. I was like, might as well finish oh, it. Oh, I love it when I'm like <laughs> getting kind of bored and then I'm like, oh, there's 20 minutes left. It's about to get good. And then it doesn't. Yeah. And I'm and like, like, great. <laughs> great. So, um, Justin, with, about your movie. Yes. Um, I want to ask you really yeah. quick. How did you get the idea of the it? writer? Yes. Um. So the idea, like, initially it was a friend had reached out who had just bought a new motorcycle and he was like, and a cinematographer buddy was like, hey, I want to do some filming of him driving. Do you have any ideas? And I was like, yeah. And then it was just like, it was just going to be very simple. And then I was like, well, what if he's kind of like a, has this like wire running out of his back and he's part of Cyborg. He's like, oh, I'd be kind of into that. And then I was like, what if there's like an Assassin's Network? Like, and I, you know, I was ripping off from a bunch of different movies. Um, and then it just slowly like finding that helmet and that jacket and then like running the lights out the back. I was like, cause we were just, we just did like a little filming with it. And then we were just, we, me and uh, Adam Peterson who like shot the film and like helped me put it together. Um, we're like, we didn't want to leave this world. We like kept building out the world. It was just like, it, it ended up being like all our favorite stuff. Like we just kept adding in like, Oh, it'll be a little cyberpunk. It'll be a little horror. And then like suddenly we had the script and now, and then it just took place. So we basically shot that for over a year because of the pandemic that we had, we kept shutting down for, cause it was like, that was kind of the original intention was like, Oh, if our lead actor has a helmet and doesn't talk, that's a good safety protocol. <laughs> um, and so it kind of just came out of this, like, I think boredom, uh, needing to do something artistic and then like the right motorcycle landing in our lap. That's interesting because we've actually, uh, spoke with several filmmakers that have mm -hmm. talked about, um, COVID. the, yeah, the, the workaround with mm -hmm. COVID and sort of having to come up Almost, do you, did you feel like it was more of a challenge or did it kind of help different ideas more because you had this work around or it was it really, kind of both? It, it, it made it a better film because Got I think it. we would have just shot for a couple of days and been done with it. But the fact that we had to kind of have these protocols and then like we had started filming and then like one of the, one of the like second waves was before we all had the vaccine so we just shut down for three or four months, which then we were like, well, if we're going to come back, we should, then we just like gave us time to like, how big do we want to make this? And then it became this kind of, I was living in Chicago, but I knew I was moving to Los Angeles and I was like, well, I kind of have interest in making a big calling card movie. And so it kept scaling up. So honestly, the time gap because of COVID made it better. Okay. That's really cool to hear that. That is really cool. Cause it seems like that's kind of the overall response that we're getting like where people are yeah. like you know even though covid did this we were able to come up with this or we were able to think of this so yeah like, it's like it, the positives it, that you can pull out of it right like if you already feel the passion to make something during the pandemic then you're just going to lean into what you like the creativity that comes from it like and the, the awesome thing is like i'm sure you guys are like the more restrictions the more creative you get and so like yeah. there's a lot of stuff i don't think i would have landed on that we had, like, you know, like, so that's sort of how we just ended up short as shooting some of these, like, 
I would have never discovered that Chicago looks like an 8-bit city when you kind of put it on camera at night and like the way the buildings and like so we just started like driving around finding these like locations and so it was just like having all the free time in the world because you know <laughs> there's not much going on so like all of the you know all people involved was just like yeah let's just keep doing this thing we're really enjoying it and like and because we had that, like it all, it's all because of COVID. Like, I mean, it's 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 weird to say, but it's absolutely all because of COVID. So you did say like this was before we started recording because we were talking yeah. about it being very '80s feel. Um, yeah. And you said that's what you were going for. Um, who was the, who did your music? Because we really loved the music of the film, and it gave a very Stranger Things music type of vibe. Um, oh, I, I, absolutely. We're actually going to hopefully put the score up on Spotify soon, yes, too. Yes, because um, I need that. I that need was going to be the, my, that was gonna be a question. I need to roll my windows down at night and drive yeah, with that I need glaring. To, uh, yes, <laughs> yes. So, that is drive uh, music. music. is done by, this, by our sound designer composer, Denny Mellon, who does some great work. He has a lot of stuff on YouTube. Um, but what happened was I had actually made another short with an actor and he, I kind of showed him some of the, like still images of the writer that was happening. He's like, "You need to meet my like." Apparently, Denny's older brother is friends with this actor I was working with, and he was like, "You need to meet this kid, Denny, because like all he wants to do is make '80s synth movie scores." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, it sounds like we should be best friends." And so he connected us, and honestly, like usually when you don't like a person's movie, the first thing you say is the score is really good. So it's but like. It is the best part. Like, it is, like, he, he just absolutely crushed it. And, like, it's just, like, putting that music over those <laughs> images, and it just feels so big. I've had the pleasure of, like, seeing it in a big theater, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, man, we did it. This is, like, a real, like, that sound just really brings it up a level. And I think, like you said, connects for people who love that music and sound. I can definitely, I know for me, the, it's interesting that you say that if somebody likes the, the music, the movie is like, <laughs> Because it's, it's, I feel like music, and that's kind of interesting with the comparison with Stranger Things, is how music can actually, like, heighten a scene. Mm-hmm. Like, a scene can be so good. Like, the 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 bike ride, like, towards the end, like, the long bike ride oh, with the rider. Yeah. Like, it just, oh, my gosh, the music just made that so, like, mm-hmm. I was so engaged through the whole thing, through everything that was happening already, that by the time it got to that part in it, I I was full on engaged, mm-hmm. and the the music just heightened it even more. Like it can, to me, if it if a scene really works, and then the music to back it just heightens it even more. It's like it's just oh, it's like lightning in a bottle. It just. It's one of those, it's, it's particular. so like, I had directed a lot, I have done, before the writer, I had done a lot of comedy, and it was interesting making the switch, because before you, when you shoot these, like, kind of horror and action things, when you assemble the cut, and you don't have sound design, and you don't have a score, they look so, they look and feel so much worse than how you pictured it in your head, <laughs> because you need, like, I watched that fight scene in the movie without sound effects, and I was like, I was ready to throw myself off a bridge. Oh, like, no. oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing at all. Like, how is this so bad? Thank God the actors were like going, <laughs> they were doing like sound effects. And then like you know, Danny, who also did the sound design, we came through and like you add that, and you're like, oh, it isn't bad. It's just like you're not supposed to watch these scenes. Like you know, a lot of the like we had, I had made like a Spotify playlist of like 
music I really liked, and like my editor laid it over most of the movie, so at least I wasn't usually watching it on silent. But the fight scene, I remember when I first saw that edited, I was like, oh no, I have failed. <laughs> and then once you add that music and you add those sound design, you're like, oh, this is, it's, you feel like I've done this for a long time. I feel like I should know how important music and sound are, but I feel like I this movie really taught me. <laughs> it is actually pretty crazy, though, to like, you know, sometimes you actually can go back to certain shows and movies where the music was yeah. such a character, actually, it, a part of the whatever it was. Because, like, one of the big things, like we had mentioned, Stranger Things, the yeah. way that they changed Journey's song separate ways when yeah. they're all oh, getting yeah. ready in season four to fight Vecna. I have chills talking about it. It is like, when I listen to the song on Spotify, like in my car or whatever, I can yeah. watch, I'm watching that scene as like the song is playing. And I, I just, music really does play a huge part of it. And it's like your movie, honestly, like you said, the ending with the with the long motorcycle ride and the, the music yeah, the right there, yeah. like that sticks out in my head because music plays such a big part in things like that. And I'm obsessed with music anyway, so. And I think that it also is a testament to certain film, like, filmmakers that I'm a big fan of that are also really big music fans, like going back to Goodfellas, even though I know these two aren't necessarily horror directors, but um, Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino mm -hmm. know how to score a movie. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like, that's that just completely goes without saying. Um it's it's been a bummer to watch so many recent waves of filmmakers not be as interested in putting songs over scenes because uh, like yes. I think it's so cool how Tarantino and Scorsese own a song like mm, you yes. can't you can't hear Sister Christian without <laughs> thinking of Boogie Nights and Alfred Molina like you get to like, never you can, again you, you know you combine these moments and it yes. just like burns into people's brains in such a fantastic way that like it's such an asset. And so, yeah, like now, like we're, you know, one of the things going on is we're cooking up uh, features of the writer oh, and yes. I'm already, and we're already like working, like working through some of the music already and like certain ideas and notes. We're starting almost with the music to lay out stuff. And I love that I though, love because that. it's so cool how, you know, especially when you love music and you're a big fan of music and you can just, and you have a very big imagination, how you can hear a song and your brain can just mm -hmm. create a scene of something to the song. So that's actually really cool that you're kind of starting with the music and then kind of going from there. That's actually really cool. Yeah, like the first thing I do when anytime I'm writing a script is I make a playlist. I mean, I like one of my like things I do when I'm stressed, I just make really elaborate playlists of different like moods. And so like, cause I'm just like, I, it's, it's also like the thing about film that I really love is like, it, it is like the way it editing and the way it functions is almost like how your brain works more. Like it's like connections that like make sense to you. And like when you combine it with the images and show it to someone, suddenly they understand it. But it's like very intuitive and intimate. And so like music, I feel is really the thing that keeps it gliding. Like it's what Scorsese movies do so well or Tarantino does so well. They're like hand is in the movie making you feel it. And so like, I feel like I got a couple moments with the writer where I was like, oh, I, I made you feel it. And that's like, I mean, that's the ultimate dream. Definitely. Um, especially at the the end. I love, 
I love that you did, because that was definitely something that was going to be a question um, sure. if this was later going to be made into a feature, because mm-hmm. I, the ending had me wanting more. And I think up until that point, I got the horror aspect as far as it feeling very dystopian mm-hmm. and very, but the end really felt like a horror movie because mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on? Like I have, I have a million questions <laughs> that I need answered. And, um, which I don't know if this was intentional or not, but in my opinion was absolutely brilliant. Um, especially if ultimately a feature was the setup because I, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved that ending. Same. Me too. Like, I, it's been fun watching, like, I have to say, we, I never thought I'd be making it, like, when we were making the short, I never thought about it as a feature. I just liked that, and I like, I like, I like the ending for a lot of reasons. I like that it kind of, kind of, some people love it, some people it pisses you off, some people, like, are mad that the writer, you know, may not make it to the end of the movie and gives up, or, it's, it's fun, I don't know, like, I think if you're gonna make a short, you need you want people to leave with a reaction, and I was and so part of that ending came about like unintentionally, and then part of me was like, I think I can find a way to make us arrive thematically at this ending so it works, and so that was like because the ending was shot well before a lot of the rest of the movie. Um, oh, okay, interesting. We filmed, on a, we filmed on a weird abandoned island that we went to in like the fall, <laughs> um, and nice. there was like there was like a planned fight sequence that was going to happen. And then I was like, it just ended up being like the day it was don't ever film on an abandoned Island. If I give any notes to any, <laughs> film, it, was, it just ended up being like a clusterfuck of a day. And I was like, Oh, I think there's a simpler way to do this. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Duly noted. I will but see. Yeah. It's like really cool. Cause you were saying away. that you went into the short, not expecting to make a feature film. Yeah. James Mon made saw. A short and did not expect to make it a feature film. Yeah. So. It's, you know, it's one of the things that, like, one, I hope to have a quarter of the success of Saw with this feature. No, I I have been, like, I have a couple other horror movies bubbling that I've got, like, some financing and features, but, like, after Horror Hound, we we just saw the audience reactions and talking to people like you and some of the other people, like, the joy that they had for the film, and I was like, you know, if we just extend this world and connect to an audience, it clearly has something that connects. And so, like, it just kind of motivated us to be like, we can finish this. We know, I, I like, so, like, the last couple of weeks of us, like, kind of, we, we had ideas for, like, more in that world. And so me and Adam, I kind of co-creator on it, we were just like, okay, let's, we got to do this. So we're going to hopefully shoot this fall on the feature version of it. So oh, I'm pretty is... pumped, and it's it's because of like horror hound. Honestly, like it's like watching it with audience and then Hell seeing yes. how people perceived it, and then talking to other filmmakers, and like I can't say like how great it was. I'm telling you though, a lot of it, like with you talking about like the connection, the horror community has such a love for the '80s horror of genre that when you put an '80s feel in anything. We are like mosquitoes to a flame. We are like, ooh, 80s. I'm here for it. Also, Give it to me. <laughs> and this had a different feel than 
other horror films. Mm-hmm. This this it's had a, different. It's this very had a different. Completely different feel that I you know I I think that all of them the all of the ones that we saw anyway were really 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 good, but wow. this one just didn't fit and i love it didn't that. fit a mold and i love yeah that. i loved it too because if you I, if you really paid attention and you picked up like i said it it had so many of those like really dystopian vibes and you know of of all things with with the pandemic and everything else going on in the world no it's, it's it was like yo this is like yeah and i mean and i'm i was without you know what though but without doing like Oh my god, another zombie thing. <laughs> oh my god, another you know what I mean? Like yes. you 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 could have that apocalyptic feel and that dystopian feel without doing what everybody has beaten to death. You can come out with with something that's different. like the same thing, but a thousand percent different. And Thank and if you. you got it, you got it. And I'm and I got it. <laughs> like I Thank I got you. it. It, like the, the the one thing that I like thank thank you so much and that's like exactly what we're hoping to continue because it's like we want to do this world building but we don't want to like exhaust people with world building because I think that also is like one of the things wrong with a lot of modern movies lately it's like it's like setting up eight other movies and it's like <laughs> just just give people the world and like give them a taste but like one of the things we kept saying was like particularly in like whenever we'd be in his like lair. Um, we, I just did air quotes to nobody. Um, uh, that's, <laughs> right. Is, I love this idea. <laughs> I, I think about this a lot. It's like, I love the vibe that like 80s horror movies create or like the Terminator creates. But mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to be chased by Freddy Krueger. I want to just kind of walk around and be in that world. And so part of my goal with the movie was like, just to kind of bring you into that stuff we love. And like, let's not worry about narrative and plot. Like, let's roam or like, I think we push it as far as you can go, but I wanted to kind of like roam around in the space. It's what I like about Tarantino movies where it's like, sure, there's always the big standoff and fight, but like he also just sort of lets you roam and like, what 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 does burgers taste like in dystopia? Like there's all these things I'm like curious about. And so like that to me was like kind of the goal. And I knew the score would kind of carry you through because you're like, a lot of the times when we were building the score, Danny would make stuff and I'd be like, this is too epic. We don't. This movie can't live up to your score. <laughs> like, wait, wait, was, wait. Let's. <laughs> I love. I, like, I love how you described that though, because you know what it sounds like to me. It sounds like an open world video game, like yes. where you have a plot and you have a main plot, but you get to go off and do all this other stuff. Exactly. And... Like, I, apparently, the movie we resemble a video game we resemble a lot is called No More Heroes. I've never played it. I'm like a half. I'm oh. more of like just. Mm-hmm. but like I'm like I like when people spot and bring references to me I'm like yeah that's in there and so like I love <laughs> like that's the thing I do love about video games is just like yeah let's just run around like not even like in the Grand Theft Auto way like what does the world of Metal Gear look like like sometimes I just watch people play watch throughs on YouTube because I'm just like I'm not going to play this game but I'm curious and like that's always in the back of my head a little bit of like how far can we do nothing until we, the audience gets annoyed with us and then we gotta have a fight scene. So, <laughs> How long can we roam until we need to get exactly, back to the Exactly, yeah. Like, and it, it turns out pretty long. Like, <laughs> it can be, it, 
it's it's really fun watching with an audience because you can feel they're like, is something gonna happen? Because like I'm on board, but maybe. and then like and so like like as we're doing the feature, we're paying a lot more attention to like when those moments hit, like how far we can push it. So can, can I? Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead by all means. No, I have an '80s synth question I want to ask you guys, but ask your question <laughs> first. I would... Okay, okay. Um, I because I I have to ask this because this was going yeah. through my head as soon as her character came into play. Who is the name of the actress that? Um, I forget her character. She she would number be number one. yes. Um, was giving all of the. Vernita Green vibes. I mean, <laughs> Copperhead, like, I don't know if that was the intention, but God damn it. I was like, um, I need to see her in a lot of things because I she, her a lot. she killed it. Her dialogue was yeah. incredible. Chico is great. She is a model I had worked with on a commercial, and there was a moment we were shooting on this big soundstage, and it was her and these two other actors from it. And at some point they like turned to me and I took a photo and it was like, it was like this like feminist version of Cenobites. Like she just seemed like both like someone who could, who was in charge of everything. You can't take your eyes away. You might be a little scared. She has like that kind of manic energy. And I was like, I need to put you on camera. And so from the outset, I was like, Kiko has to be, number one like I, before i even had the idea of the character name i was like she has to be the boss and sadly the other two i couldn't get back i wanted them to be two and three and like unite this like idea i've had in my head but yeah like she i wasn't thinking of Vernita, but i was definitely thinking of like tarantino like in the war like or the warriors like the like yes I love, give, mm-hmm. I love i love giving iconography to characters because i like i i I just think those should stand out more. It's like, I do think that is why there's like this whole generation, partly it's our age, but also just like obsessed with the 80s stuff. Cause like my biggest complaint about horror movies is like everyone dresses so blandly <laughs> and like looks like, and, and I like, and part of that makes them not stand out. Like the movies, the characters stand out. There's still great horror movies made every year, but I just think I miss that like iconography and like, yeah, you know, that's why I worked with a fashion designer to like build the clothes for her as well. Because like, I was just like, okay, we got to make her super stylish too. Because the contrast of that too, I thought I just couldn't get enough of. It was perfect. The color, Thank you. everything. The, uh, really quickly too, I also, just because mm. I, I didn't want to forget to comment on this, mm. um, because you had mentioned the Terminator. That's thinking dystopian. Like it's crazy. So I saw, the, and I'm, I'm speaking the first one, like Kyle Reese, Michael Bean, like the yeah. Terminator. I saw that. That was another one of those movies that I saw way too young that scared the crap out of me. Like, as a child, The Terminator, I would have considered a horror movie. It is like, a horror movie. That scared it is a slasher the, movie. Yeah. I mean, like, the, the skeleton, like, when he's in the mirror and, like, the face and you see the eye and every, oh, my God. Like, that, it, it's, it's terror. And he doesn't say anything or he says... He speaks very little. I, it's been so long since I've seen the original Terminator. He, if he speaks at all, it's very little, except for like Sarah Connor. I think he really. Doesn't. Oh yeah, he talks. He's just, he, like, it's funny. Like rewatching it, I saw a film print of it a couple years ago, and it's like it becomes very clear that he's like, oh, this is Michael Myers. Like he doesn't say anything. Liz, thank <laughs> you. Big imposing figure who just shows up, and it feels like evil, and. 
so part of me was like, okay, that's like, that's sort of how the, the conception of the writer happened was like, okay, can I make people think the, the villain is the hero till the very end? Um, and kind of play with that Terminator. Like, let's just have him not say anything. Like, it's like, I, I love, like, it's, it adds, like, a mystery. Like, I think, yeah, I have him say one line, and I'm like, I regret that to some degree, even. But I was like, <laughs> he's got to say something. Um, but, yeah, the Terminator's a horror movie. Like, it's scary. It's, like, the stuff of nightmares. And so, like, I, I often say, I was like, the writer's a horror movie. Like, the Terminator's a horror movie. Like, it's, I, it's still an action movie as well. I agree with you. I really, and I think that gets lost. Nothing against the second one, because that, you know, that that in and of itself is a classic. Linda yeah. Hamilton comes back as a, oh, my God, she will always be, like, the, the <laughs> badass of badasses. I love Sarah oh, yeah. Connor so much. But such a huge dichotomy not only with sarah connor but just with those movies like yeah, terminator 2 they, is so that, terminator 2 is a true sure. right terminator 2 is a true action film that is a that's an action movie but the terminator the first one terrifying very much yeah. a horror film yeah yeah i, I absolutely i told and i love the I never, ever, ever thought of the dichotomy with Michael Myers either. I never would have even, but it, it took that mindless, even though he's a machine, quote unquote, but just this like mindless thing walking around just programmed to do nothing but kill and also kill one singular person. Yeah. Like it was Laurie Strode for Michael Myers. It's Sarah Connor for the right. Terminator. And like there's, the, there's a shot early on where he like walks through a neighborhood and like steps on like a to kid's toy and it's like that's when it clicked for me. I was like, oh. And I always, uh, you know, John Carp or um, James Cameron worked on John Carpenter movies. He worked on Escape from New York. That's right. And so, and so like you can just see the connection and it's like you can just sort of see how it he like he got like I love yep. trying to figure out how directors get to their end result. Like oh they're probably studying this and this and because I do the same thing. I'm like I love it. Rip off this and steal from that. And this. <laughs> <laughs> just creative ideas, not rip off. Yeah. You're just yeah. You no, know, this is my like, own. Great artist steal. Good artist borrow. This so is fun. my own. Your ode to, to misdirectors. Yes, movie. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, so what was, was your the, yeah, yeah? What your was your question? Question. Oh, so okay, like I, so the eighties obviously come like come back and it really explodes with Stranger Things. I think the earlier precedent was like uh, it follows Drive. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of brought it's like. Do you think you were into that stuff even before it started to come back into popular culture, or were you just like? when it hit you're like oh yeah i love it because i feel like i didn't realize how much i love this stuff till i like saw it follows and drive and i was like oh yeah this is the best i think it's an if, if i can answer first real quickly yeah. if you don't mind uh i think for uh. me because of the now casper and i have a nine-year age difference so i think for me growing up because i'm i was born in the 80s i'm a 90s kid uh yeah. and yeah. i grew up in like a really musical family family like my my uncle played in bands my dad played instruments like music was always my dad has a very extensive record collection <laughs> so music was right. always a part of my life growing up just and um especially 80s music so i um for me it was always there I just, nice. I, I think for me, I just sort of felt like, cause I'm, I'm still very like, 
old school and a lot of the music that I listen to, I, I still even now, like, I find myself that I'm teetering that line that like an award show commercial will come on and I look at my husband and I go, who the hell is that? I didn't know. I didn't know half those singers. I didn't know half those bands. And also I don't have, I haven't had like regular radio in so long. So I still, I, I have satellite radio. So I have like program to like, 60s stations, 70 rock stations, 80s rock stations. Right. So I'm I'm I, I'm still very much this like listening to that like old school stuff that now I just sort of feel like, hey, everybody's catching up to what I've already been listening to this whole time. <laughs> because I love I- 80s music. And 80s was really like the 70s, you know, we you saw, I think every decade has their own. I, I don't, I feel like it got lost. That, that could be a very long story with music. But I feel like every decade sort of had their like, oh man, there were like these really innovative bands and groups and everything. But the 80s just, oh man. And then you had like British New Wave and you had like all of these different groups that were coming out and some groups changing up. You had like 70s groups changing over and changing their styles of music. Like, Jefferson Airplane and the Jefferson Starship, and they had all these hits in the 80s. So 80s music was just really broad and had all of these different things that, um, like I said, I think every decade just kind of has their own. But uh, something about 80s music really hit. And I think it had a lot, going back to film, I think it had a lot to do with movies. Um, movies putting different songs you know like back to the future and with like huey lewis and like all these different movies putting um these songs in their soundtracks and in their films that really boosted it a lot too so i'm loving it i feel like now it's just kind of everybody playing oh, catch yeah. up sort of like, <laughs> so I, I love, like, like I love where have you been you know artists and they all are doing 80s synth stuff, but like, yes. with like, you know, no wave beats. And it's like, oh, this is great. This is all I wanted. So as far as I'm concerned, I was born in the 90s. My sister <laughs> my sister was born the same year as Becky. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, me and my sister are about nine years apart. Um, my, even though I grew up in a very Baptist religious home, music was very big for us too. My sister was big into piano. She learned piano. I also learned piano. Uh, we'd love to sing. Mom and my my mom and my dad were very big into music. My grandparents were really big into music. My grandparents were all about the twenties to the sixties, of course. And then, and my grandma was all over the place. She just loved music. And then my parents, my dad growing up, he his favorite band was Black Sabbath, and my mom's nice. favorite band was the Bee Gees. So even though we weren't allowed to listen to secular music, my mom was like, I found my old Bee Gees cassette. This is exciting. So we started listening to that. And I'm like, oh, I actually really like this. I also have an old soul. I may be 30 years old, but I'm literally 90. So I listened to the Bee Gees and I was like, I really like this. And then I will never forget this. My dad went and picked me up from school one day. I was younger. And the person pulled up next to us and my dad said that's black sabbath he knew it immediately even though he didn't listen to him anymore and i was like i didn't say this out loud but i was like oh i like that right so i started looking up black sabbath songs now to this day what's really funny is my favorite bands from the 70s and the 80s are black sabbath and the Bee Gees. but um so 
going into like how you sounds, said, it's those crossovers like the BG sound <laughs> from the 70s and the 80s, Black Sabbath into what Ozzy did in yep. the 80s, like 100%. And Ozzy to this day is RIP Randy Rhodes, RIP <laughs> Randy Rhodes. So, Sorry, um, Sorry, I just want to say that. But yeah, so like going into the movie aspect of it, like my parents, they really liked the older films. I would watch yeah. them. I watched older films with them. Uh, me and my grandma always watched I Love Lucy. We watched um, Carol Burnett show, um, yeah. things like that. So I've always had an old soul when it comes to things like that. So I'm like, Becky, when it comes to, I feel like everyone's finally catching up. Yeah. Because yeah. I have always loved... The fucking 80s movies. It's not even just horror. It's just 80s movies, period. 80s music. I'm like, I feel like I love the 90s. I love the 90s movies. I love the 90s music. But I'm like, there is this... I don't know... When when I see these videos on TikTok where they put this Stranger Things song to these old mm. pictures from the 80s, I'm like, I crave a time I was never even born in. And I don't understand that at all. No, but... I think that's so real. That's, I think that's like, I think that's what I was getting at. I was just curious, because like, similarly, and this question all comes from the fact that like a few months ago, I watched um, Ty West's House of the Devil. Mm. And good movie set in the 80s, but it has all the stuff of the 80s that we don't care about. Like, yep. it doesn't have any neon. It doesn't have the synth. It doesn't have the bright, like, the colors. It has, it's like, bright, like, it actually, when I watched it, I was like, this is kind of what the 80s actually looked like. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was just intrigued and like, oh, it was when these other movies figured out, no, this is the stuff people love about the 80s. Because, like, you know, it's a giant interesting decade, like all the decades are. And, like, it's just sort of fast. I'm fascinated by, like, what we connect to and like I, i'm nostalgic for an era I did, like i was born in 83 i don't really remember the 80s i remember the 90s but i right. like it's <laughs> that bleed over and then the movies um, obviously track with the 80s stuff i just think it was just the time where everyone was into weird like i just like <laughs> yes the pop culture was weird like mtv is like music videos are weird when you think about it they're like experimental movies <laughs> <laughs> yep oh and we lost you know I miss those days because I grew like yeah. those and you're right like all the crossover movies in the 80s like everything John Hughes did um yeah. the, the Goonies oh my god like that it were and music videos man I mean yeah. music videos were like a thing that you especially in the early 90s again that like crossover like you really looked forward forward to seeing like your favorite band like and you and you're right especially when you look at um, and then some music videos were almost like mini movies. Mm -hmm. Thriller, oh, yeah. I mean, that was like the first thriller, like you want to talk about horror, like one of those that scared the hell out of me. The first time I ever saw the thriller and then I grew up with Vincent Price and that oh, yeah. terrifying voice coming out of the <laughs> like that was that was a a music video, but a little mini horror movie with this with these insane uh, special effects, like, yeah, I, I, those are a heyday that we'll never get back, but it's okay. It's all right. We can, it's coming. <laughs> it's, it's, coming. it's really not the new era, the old era, like it's sitting at being at that festival and like knowing what right. my movie is like and seeing other people's films. It's like, we're trying to create this new, bring in the things we like from the eighties, but like also talk about the more modern, like, I don't want to just make up, 80s movie i want to make something that uses the stuff we have this nostalgia for and then kind of talk about more modern things in it and it's just such a fun way to like you just drop those synth chords and you're just like yeah i'm here with you i'm, I'm gonna go and, so 
And you know what? I think you're right, though, actually, because I have a 10 year old. Uh, I have a 10 year old. I don't have any kids myself, but I have a 10 year old niece who uh, loves loves Stranger Things. Um, she loved the black phone. And it's kind of neat that she's gravitating to these where like this this 80s stuff is starting to come out. And you are you really are seeing these younger generations like, oh, what is that? Sort of like back when we were kids. And our parents were watching something and we were like, oh, what is that? I mean, it, it does kind of come yeah. full circle back around. Yeah. So like it's I mean, the one thing I, I'll, 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 I'm sorry, I can go on about this a lot. So obviously I, like, cause you've seen my film. I think about this like so much of the 80s aesthetic is just like the 50s. And it's just because all the people making stuff were at the 80s were born in like teens in the 50s or even so like it's just this like kind of interesting cycle that happens and i'm just like that's like part of the fun is like plugging your thing into it you know and so like uh, it's just i can't i can't say enough about that that's very period. true like, that's why i think i think being at that festival you saw like all these people cosplaying as different characters modern horror old but like it was just like people want to connect to this bigger thing and i think horror and science fiction and these things we all like love is like a way to do that and synth music is another way to do that too it's the beauty of what we said from the beginning that horror is one of those genres of filmmaking that has so many different subgenres. it's the beauty of i think it's such a beautiful thing and really a, for for filmmakers because mm. you can do you don't have to be like a traditional horror director or traditional like you can write something but fit it into the mold of horror because of all of these different subgenres. You can definitely go like, uh, oh yeah, that's a horror film, even if it wasn't it, intentional because it's of the subgenres. The like I was working with a writer on a horror movie right now, and she we were talking about a conversation that she wanted to kind of put in this movie. And I was like, oh, it fits great here. And it was just because it was like, if you would have made a whole movie around this conversation, it would just be like a bad kind of boring indie film. But the horror lets you say all these like really true things in interesting conversations and like lets you kind of dig in in a way because you still also have like the rules of the genre you have to satisfy. It's just, it's the best. It's literally the best genre. Well, yes. that actually goes into... Since we're just wrapping things up, um, are there any upcoming projects that you can talk about or anything new that'll be coming up? No, I mean, I, I run a, I do a Twitch TV show every other week called Connect the Dots, and I'm always kind of updating on my Instagram. So, like, you can find me on Instagram, you'll see everything going on. And, like, right now we're just kind of in pre-production on the writer feature, and, like, I would love to come back on and talk about it. I can't wait to hear your thoughts about it. Um... Yeah, that's justinstillmaker.com or Instagram. That's where that's how you can find me. I'm, all, I'm always up to something weird. <laughs> well, you it. are a um, friend of the podcast now, so absolutely, you know, awesome. like when you yeah, when you want to sure. promote, like you have something coming out and you want to promote it, we, we got your back. And I cannot Amazing. wait for a feature. Both of us Fucking are like... Fucking insane. Everybody, <laughs> please, is, there, is there any... If people didn't get a chance to see the short at... Um, Horror Hound, is there, because there's going to be a production of a feature, is there any way that the short at some point might be released? 
It'll definitely be released, and I'll, we're still in the middle of our festival run, but if you've messaged me on Instagram or shoot me an email, it's just justinstillmaker at Gmail, I, I, I might be fine to wait for you to see it. So. Did you guys hear that? Ask nicely. Ask, be nice. Yeah. Be nice. Ask nicely, and I will hook you up for sure. <laughs> so. Thank you, Thank Justin, you so, so much. much. We really appreciate it. Um, we look forward to having you back on and, and good luck with everything. Thank you so much thank, again. Yes. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. This is a blast. <laughs> All right. You have a good night. Bye. That was weird. It was like, <laughs> yeah, like right at the end. It like um, paused. It was like, glitched <laughs> out. Uh, yeah, guys. So that was, um, Justin Stillmaker. Um, we were so happy to have him on. The writer was so amazing. If anybody at Orhound that was involved with the film festival or got to see any of the films, hopefully you got to see it because it was really great. Um, and like you said, follow him on Instagram at Justin Stillmaker to check back on updates. Yeah, absolutely. Well, next week, <laughs> right, round six, uh, we are going to be interviewing Kenneth Lawrence who did a short called No Signature Required. Now, this was my personal favorite. Um, this so good. concept was... I have never seen a concept like this before for any type of film. I would love to see it made as a feature film, but the horror short was absolutely incredible. Um, so next week, we will be talking to Mr. Kenneth Lawrence about his short No Signature Required and all fun things as well. Um, so, so if you guys catch the beginning, um, I know we've been trying to push this, but for everybody's health, for everybody's mental health, if you guys catch the beginning, we do have a big sponsor, betterhelp.com. If you go to betterhelp.com slash DFWTO, you save 10% when you sign up for your first month. So if anybody out there has been looking for a therapist and you want something affordable um, and something that's easy that's at home, BetterHelp is a great opportunity and mental health is so important. Um, yes, 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 and yes. By this time, is our merch still on sale? No. No. The sale is over. <laughs> the sale, Sorry. but we still have merch. So, but still buy it. Uh, I will always, at this point, I am always going to put the merch um, link into the descriptions um just so we can um so you guys can get merch because our, our our shit is cool i'm not gonna lie i really love all of our designs so but yeah you guys check out our merch i'm really obsessed yes. with our designs i love the wednesdays are for podcast please shirts. buy that one it's um, amazing so yeah is that everything as far as everything Okay, now we're just going to plug away. All right, you guys know we have the socials at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at DFWTO Podcast. The handle is DFWTO8811. If you have any questions, concerns, want to say hey, please email us at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. And lastly, please give us a follow and subscribe on Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. Leave a review. Um, and you'll always know when we put new episodes out. Yep. All right, I think that's everything. You guys have an amazing week. We cannot wait to bring you next week. And of course, be as safe. Always. And as always, yeah. don't fuck, don't with, fuck with the original. original. <laughs> we almost missed it. Oh, I know. We're it. like, uh, da, 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 da. we saved it. Okay, bye.